our distinguished professors, senior colleagues, the head of the Department of Philosophy, esteemed members of Association of Philosophy Professionals, you are welcome this morning, the second day of our conference and meeting. I think on behalf of the association, I would like to tender apologies to our Lord Bishop for, first, the audience that we have here. Um, our intention was that he would have been around here yesterday when this hall was filled to capacity, one, with a background that we know him as an academic, and so everybody was enthusiastically waiting to hear from him. Unfortunately, uh, we missed him, but fortunately, we have him today. The Lord Bishop. The theme of this year's conference is philosophy and the remaking of the Nigerian nation. Philosophy and the remaking of the Nigerian nation. In the very words of our ancient wisdom elders, we know that there will never be the end to the problems and the troubles of this nation or any nation at all until philosophers become kings or kings become philosophers. It is on that premise that this year's theme, philosophy and the making of the Nigerian nation was crafted. Nigerian geography assumes to us that our diversity that I should have been an advantage has been converted into disadvantage. Today, there are the jihadist group, variously baptized either as bandits, kidnappers, terrorists, or whatever any name that you give in a negative way, whose combined effort is ravaging the entire Nigerian nation. As philosophers who evaluate the ideas we live by, we have decided to think over our problems and to advance solutions. It is in the light of that that we gathered here and also requested your presence to also assist us based on your knowledge and experience and exposure in an attempt to resolve the Nigerian problems. We are delighted that you are here with us and we will invite you, as you said, to interact with us. A lordship. Before that, may I please invite, is it your secretary? or your personal assistant, as it is in our tradition, 
to read your citation or at least to say one thing about your very person. All protocol duly observed. It is my singular honor and privilege to introduce to this team of thinkers and learned scholars a pastor of Esselon who has a burning interest in and who labors tirelessly for the well-being of the entire human person, mind, body, and soul. A man who is at once a grassroots evangelizer and a distinguished scholar of international repute. A peerless prince of the church who even before he became a bishop served in the highest administrative organ of the church at the universal level, the Synod of Bishops as a peritus, an expert. A professor emeritus of philosophy in the prestigious Pontifical Urbanian University Rome in Italy. It may interest you to know that he is a former deputy vice chancellor of same university, the very first African to attain that height and hold the post in the university. And currently a member of the administrative board of the Catholic Bishops Conference of Nigeria, CBCN. The immediate past pro-chancellor and chairman governing council of Veritas University, Abuja, and currently the pro-chancellor and chairman governing council, Enugu State University of Science and Technology, ESIT, where he is currently serving the second term in office. Lelled audience, it's my pleasure and singular privilege to introduce to you the Catholic Bishop of Onsuka Diocese, His Excellency, Most Reverend Professor Godfrey Igodike Ona. Well, I, Your Lordship, we thank you. Now that they have told you, you are the, you have, they have told us you are. The pro-chancellor at suit. <laughs> we must introduce philosophy in suit also. <laughs> Thank you. Father Paulinus, when I was debating with you at breakfast this morning whether you should be here or not, I didn't know you were only pretending. <laughs> Since you already had an assignment to do things or something I don't think at all necessary. Because of all he said, the only thing I'm interested in is that I am a priest and the Bishop of Onsoka. <laughs> and it is because of that that I would want to qualify, because I don't say disagree with, what my friend, where is he seated, the person who first spoke about me, Jerry said, if you are a Christian and you describe me as a political activist, then you make me believe you have not been listening to my homilies, because I'm addressing Christians primarily, 
asking them to be good Christians in Nigeria to make things better. And I, that cannot be any more political than Jesus himself giving us the principle of political leadership and leadership in general by telling us that the greatest among us should be our servant. And if a person who says that is a political activist, then I accept the title. <laughs> Otherwise, nothing I say from the pulpit can be removed from the gospel because they're all flowing from the gospel message and no attempt at all is made to instrumentalize my reflections on such secret liturgical occasions. So, my dear friends, I begin with those on the inspirational table, and I'm happy with this name. The president, and the facilitators, the organizers, I am happy to be here. I didn't think I needed any formal introduction because I thought I would just be coming to greet you and interact with you in order to help myself to somehow update because any field of scholarship that you leave for as long as nine years, you can no longer claim to be current in that field. For nine years, I've not had the time to deepen philosophical reflection based on specific issues. All my philosophical reflection now is an application of the tool of philosophy to the message of the gospel for the good of God's children. I am particularly happy to be here. And I thank you also for creating this forum. I am sorry that I couldn't make it yesterday because the earlier schedule took my difficulties into consideration and I was able to block a date for that encounter. Unfortunately, the situation on ground wouldn't allow me to be I wouldn't allow that event to take place, this event to take place when it was earlier scheduled, and it's taking place only now. And I also congratulate you, all the leadership and all of you, for insisting on carrying on with this project in spite of the disruption caused by the strike action. And the theme you chose for this encounter could not have been better. That is philosophy and the remaking of the Nigerian nation. I was also pleasantly surprised by the change of name from National Association, Nigerian Association of Philosophers, something like that. Nigerian Philosophy Association to National Association of uh, Philosophy, Philosophy Professionals of Nigeria. That is very promising because very often we make the funny mistake of thinking that every teacher of philosophy is a philosopher. 
It is very easy to be a teacher of philosophy without being a philosopher. Just as it is very easy to be a teacher of Christian theology without being a theologian. Because to be a theologian first, you have to believe. And then express what you believe through reason. And uh, philosophy also, you can be a magazine, so to speak, a collector of philosophical doctrines without yourself being trained in the art of philosophizing. And so I think it was, I don't know whether it was Jacques Maritain or the Derrida or one of them who said when, when he was asked how many leading philosophers there were in continental Europe, he said it would be possible for him to say how many were teachers of philosophy, but he wouldn't be able to say how many were philosophers. Also, we make the mistake of thinking that uh, philosophers are found only among the teachers and professors and students of philosophy. And I always remind people that even though this discipline of definitions is unable to define itself, there is one thing all of us will regard as common to the art of philosophy, and that is the method through which one arrives at one's conclusions. If I ask you why are you doing a certain thing and you tell me your father did it, why are you holding a particular position and you say your parents hold that same position, that position may be philosophically right, but your statement is not a philosophical statement. So there's something I call the reason for the rationality of our argument. That is what makes a reasoning process philosophical in my own judgment. And I give one simple example. I am the light of the world. He who walks, or rather, let me leave that one. The truth will make you free. The truth will make you free is a religiously and theologically valid statement. And it is also a philosophically valid statement. How do I prove that it is a religiously and theologically valid statement? If I am a believer in God, and in the God revealed by Jesus Christ, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, I just need to prove to you that that statement was made by Jesus Christ. And that is enough for me to show you that it is a theologically and religiously valid statement. But for me to demonstrate to you or prove to you that it is a philosophically valid statement, I have to, first of all, establish the relationship, first of all, the meaning of freedom and the relationship between knowledge and freedom. And I will have to argue that freedom is based on choice, and choice is informed by knowledge. And the more you know the truth about the thing you are choosing, the more your choice will be an act of freedom. And in that case, the truth about the object of choice becomes something that really makes you a free human being. So it's not just enough to say, because 
This was said by our ancestors, or by, our, by Aristotle, or by Hegel, or by Kant, then it is philosophically valid. Otherwise, we would accept Kant's statement that anything said by a black man is stupid for the simple fact that that person is black. And that was written down by Kant, not to talk of the ones Hegel, Hume, and others wrote. So, the point I'm making is that being a professional in philosophy just then means that you have made it a profession to arrive at certain conclusions using a process and categories that are open to philosophical debates in all areas of that uh, engagement, irrespective of the person who is concerned. That's why I'm sometimes tragically amused when some of us seek and bent in their reasoning by some form of inferiority complex, cultural inferiority complex, think that for a philosophy to be African, it must be a museum of the collection of the proverbs of our ancestors. Now, I'll just have this to say about your choice of a theme, how happy I am about it. I think you will all remember the famous statement by Hegel in his preface to the philosophy of rights, when he affirms that with regard to saying how the world is, philosophy always arrives too late. Because philosophy only realizes after things have been done that it then has to reflect on things that have already taken place. And he compares that to the all, the all of Minerva that spreads its wing when it is already dark. And one of his most illustrious disciples, whom many people don't know was a Hegelian because he stood Hegel on his head. I'm talking about Karl Marx. Hegel, in his idealism, gave the impression that he was concerned only about the spiritual. And Marx and people like him, Feuerbach before him, Arnold Ruge, and others, showed that Hegel was really not the idealist people thought he was. And he was not really the defender of Christian religion that people thought he was but an anti-Christian and anti-God, so to speak. Now, this illustrious disciple of Hegel, Karl Marx, in his own time, I think it is in the 11th of the, his thesis on Feuerbach, there he stated that Philosophy has only succeeded in interpreting the world in various ways. What now remains is for it to change the world. I read in both positions a type of diffidence on the part of those who make them 
on the capacity of philosophical thought to make some concrete change on the way things are in the world. If Hegel says that philosophy arrives only too late, he's, so to speak, saying or suggesting that there is little philosophy can do to change the way history evolves. And if Marx now says, almost like ridiculing philosophy, well, you have succeeded in interpreting the world in diverse ways. But you can't do anything to change it. I know I'm forcing this interpretation because that is not what he said. I'm only trying to say perhaps this was what he meant. But supposing that was what he meant, one only needs to remind oneself of the influence that Hegelian thought had on the history of civilization in Europe and by implication on the rest of the world. But more than Hegel, Karl Marx, I'm sure, as defective as some of his thoughts were, some, I'm sure Marx never imagined the enormous amount of impact that his philosophical thoughts would make on the world. And any of us who is not aware of how much Marx has bequeathed history since his time is neither a serious scholar of philosophy nor a serious scholar of human history. I just want to use that to emphasize that even while some philosophers think that there is little, little professionals of philosophy can do in changing and in this case, in remaking the Nigerian nation, history teaches us the contrary. Marx, Hegel, Kant, these here were all heirs of older traditions of philosophical thought that changed history. Move further back in European history of philosophy until you go arrive at Plato and his disciple Aristotle, and you will understand what I'm saying. The environment we are sitting in now, the university environment, all developed within philosophical settings primarily. If you go back, those of you who have had more time to investigate the origins of Egyptian thought, we realize that irrespective of the religious environment within which philosophical thought arose in Egypt, it was precisely the philosophical content more than the religious content of the thought of those Egyptian priests that drove the change in Egyptian history. The same thing with Plato and his academy. It was Plato's frustration with the political class of his time, whether they were the aristocrats or the democrats, who both disappointed him. On the one hand, the aristocrats would not allow truth. On the other hand, the democrats were afraid of truth also, which led them to the murder of his own master, Socrates. 
And in frustration, he used the money he got as gift from a friend to establish the academy, where he insisted that looking at the scenario in, in Athens, it was no longer necessary to form a new political group. What was expedient as at that time was to create a new class of thinkers who would critically revolutionize governance and government in Athens. That was the earliest origin of modern European philosophy. I mean, uh, university, before eventually uh, the academy was destroyed and the university was revived by the Catholic Church within the monasteries in the 12th, 11th and 12th centuries. You are more familiar with this history than I am. Because ask me now the meaning of Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. I'll be more current on that one. So... <laughs> Now, we are in a situation in our country, Nigeria, now, when everybody seems to admit that things have failed. The, nation, the, state, uh, the government, various successive governments have failed us. Since the return to democracy, we have had about one political party or another, and the two prominent ones now are People's Democratic Party that started and now all progressive con Congress, uh, the APC. And Nigerians are saying that both have failed. And Nigerians are hoping that the salvation for Nigeria will come from a new political party. Nothing can be more illusionary than that. My position, first and foremost, there are no political parties in Nigeria. What you have in Nigeria are political platforms for remaining in power, acquiring illegal wealth, and avoiding prosecution. These are platforms people use to remain in power in order to be able to embezzle money and avoid prosecution. And that explains we are the same, why the same people who were in PDP, by the time there will be a change of government, and they don't get a ticket from PDP for the position they are seeking, they change to another party where they hope to win, and PDP becomes the worst government, political party in Nigeria. And if they were in APC and they don't get the ticket for the position they want, they all move to PDP or Labour Party and hope then that by being in a new party they will get what they want and that's the only time they accept that either APC or PDP were not functional political parties. Now, like Plato, I am insisting and that is the central message I have, and that is why I congratulate you. I'm insisting that what we need in Nigeria is not a new political party, but new set of people who will think differently about our nation, what it means to be a nation, the difference between a nation and a country, and what we need to do right in order to move this nation forward.
I'm also happy and impressed about the sub-themes that I saw in the uh, online flyer of your program, because those sub-themes capture the areas of problem in our nation, things that have been holding us back, attachments to geographical areas, greed, unaccountability, and all such things. I only want to encourage us to continue to ask these questions and to reflect upon them. But let us not forget that the primary crisis of thought in Nigeria now is thought about the meaning of life. The primary, what I consider the primary crisis of thought in Nigeria is thought on the meaning of life. Because never in our history has life been so cheap and human dignity so low. What does it mean to be a human being? And if we bear in mind that values are all arranged in an order according to their relationship to the protection of life and making life better, then we understand how important it is for us to understand, first of all, what it means to be a human being, to be alive. And it's only in that sense that we can then begin to ask, what can one do in politics in order to improve the quality of life and to, rise, to, ra to raise the level of human dignity in our country, Nigeria? These are important areas. Finally, because Ojuku says, because I'm involved, because I'm involved, I will end on this point. The relationship between religion and development. In a country where religion plays so much role in the life of the people, philosophy has to consistently examine what it means to be religious and what role religion should play in the discernment or distillation of values and their hierarchical arrangement. Because this crisis is worldwide, the crisis between religion and public life is worldwide, but our own is very particular. In Europe and America and Australia, the crisis expresses itself in the postmodern expression of secularism. What does secularism say in short? Secularism wants to put aside God and religion and install the human being and human freedom. But what it actually does is that it substitutes an absolute uncreated God with a contingent manipulable concept. Because in that case then, for instance, cause, pure chance, pure chance takes the place of God in the act, in the role of the origin of the universe and the way it is arranged. 
and they attribute to pure chance exactly the role that believers attribute to God with a difference that pure chance has no personal will, cannot love and be loved. What does that entail? It excuses every individual from personal responsibility. Because if you accuse me of crime, I can easily tell you that is how I was made, by pure chance. And if you say I should be living like a man, but I'm living like a woman, I tell you pure chance has made it even in such a way that I don't know whether I'm a man or a woman. Today I can be man, tomorrow I can be woman, next tomorrow I can be neither, because it's all the product of chance. That is what the crisis of religion has brought in the Western world. I don't like using the term West because it is discriminatory. In a, you know, in a, in a globe, in a world that is supposed to be spherical, no, no place is permanently East or permanently West. So let's leave that. I'm just talking about specific areas of the world. Then in our own context, in our own context, we have classes of people who have turned religion into one set is businessmen and power merchants. People who want to use religion to make money and people who want to use religion to acquire wealth. And then you have now cultists who are transforming cultism into a religion. The so-called return to traditional religion is nothing but exaltation of cultism. Because in the traditional religion of the Igbo man, for instance, that some of us met, there was no compulsion except when public order was involved. Everybody was free to worship God the way he wanted and even to change his own gods. Such a pragmatic religion cannot be the basis of the intolerant cultism that we are now experiencing as African or Igbo traditional religion. And all that has implication for nationhood, nation building, governance, and then, of course, for responsibility. Because without clear definition of the human nature, of human freedom, and to whom we are all eventually responsible, then arbitrary decisions can easily be taken by those who have the privilege of controlling the rest. And of course, in that type of context, there can be no nation building. I wanted only to greet you. So thank you very much, and God bless you.